0: Congregation, the text I've chosen for the sermon this morning is Acts 2, the first verse, Acts 2, verse 1. Read that verse again. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Beloved people of God, when, when you prepare a sermon for Pentecost, you're always going to read Acts 2. So that's what I did and my eye just kind of caught that first verse, I came back to that first verse of this chapter where the whole scene is set for the coming of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church. That's just one verse, but one verse can say a lot in Scripture. So if you look at this verse, it tells us, for instance, when Pentecost took place, tells us how it took place, and it tells us who was there. So that's what we'll look at this morning, and I proclaim to you the Word of God in this text with this theme, looking forward to the coming of the Holy Spirit, and we'll see those three things, first, when, secondly, how. And then, thirdly, who Who was looking forward? First, when this waiting took place there in Jerusalem, it says at the beginning of our text, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Too bad most translations put it that way. Or, or something like that. Because the original Greek actually has here when the day of Pentecost was fulfilled. And that shows that an Old Testament feast day, Pentecost, was fulfilled. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit didn't just happen to be on that day. No, the coming of the Spirit truly fulfilled that Old Testament feast day of Pentecost. It fulfilled what that, that day represented in the Old Testament. Fulfilled it. Something like what happens when you fill a pail with water. You add water until the pail is full to the brim and you can't add any more. It's full. That's how our text speaks about the day of Pentecost. When that day was fulfilled, when it became full. So, that that day just didn't happen but it was fulfilled in other words god led everything up to that specific day 10 days after christ's resurrection 10 days after christ's ascension into heaven 50 days after his resurrection and on that specific day he poured out the fullness of his spirit on his church no sooner no later now you might wonder why no sooner the lord jesus had already been in heaven for 10 days after his ascension had taken his place at his father's right hand had received all authority and power in heaven and on earth why why hadn't He fulfilled His promise to His disciples at His ascensions to baptize Him with His Spirit right after He ascended into heaven? Why hadn't He done it right away? Why wait ten days? Was that a, just an arbitrary time period? Not at all, congregation. It wasn't arbitrary at all. The Spirit of the Lord had to come down upon His church on that specific day, and that says something. Something is declared in that. Nothing the Lord does is random. He always acts in wisdom and glory according to His plan. So why did the Holy Spirit have to come on that 50th day after Christ's resurrection, 10 days after His ascension? Well, that's because the Lord, as He always did, connects what He did in the past in the Old Testament to what He did later with the Lord Jesus. Or rather, He showed how He already in the Old Testament past was making known the glory of His work in the New Testament. You see, the New Testament church wasn't a brand new creation But it came out of, it was a continuation of the Old Testament church. God continues with his work of building his church in this world, but now it includes not just Israelites, but now the fullness of people from all nations and tongues are being brought in. And that's why the Lord, 50 days after his resurrection, poured out the fullness of his spirit on the day the Jews celebrated the feast of Pentecost. Between the Old Testament feast of Passover and Pentecost, you had those 50 days. And those two feasts were actually connected with each other in the Old Testament. They were both feasts which celebrated many things, but also and especially God's mercy towards His people. And what began with the Passover feast was completed and fulfilled in the Feast of Pentecost. And you see that in that that Feast of Pentecost that was celebrated exactly seven weeks after Passover. Seven weeks of seven days, 49, and then on the 50th day. And you understand that in the Bible, the number seven is the number of fullness. Think of the seven days of the week. Think of the lampstand with seven lamps in the temple. Think of the seven churches of Asia Minor in Revelation. Well, so God had ordained it that the Old Testament church would celebrate the Feast of Pentecost seven weeks of seven days after the Passover. So the Feast of Pentecost was the fulfillment of the Passover feast. Now you see that the, the, now you see that the connection between those two feasts in, in, was in that the Passover feast was celebrated at the time of the year when the, the crops in the field were just coming up and, and into head and starting to ripen. The Israelites would then gather a sheaf of that grain that was growing and they would bring it to the priest and he would offer it to the Lord as a wave offering of the first fruits of the crop. He would hold up, the priest would hold it up before the Lord and wave that first sheaf before the Lord. That offering, that wave offering was then an acknowledgement that everything that grew on the land belonged to God, and that the Israelites received it as a gift of grace from his hand. So connected to the Passover feast, then you had that feast of first fruits. were just a few days that they had a number of feasts, but the The Passover feast included that feast of the first fruits. And then, seven weeks later, at the end of the harvest, the harvest had ripened and had been gathered in, the Israelites celebrated Pentecost, which was a kind of a feast of thanksgiving for the harvest. And then, instead of a sheaf of grain, Two loaves of freshly baked bread were brought to the priest to be offered to the Lord God. Well, the Lord connects the steps of Christ's work of salvation to those two Old Testament feasts. And with that, he instructs us in the glory of that work of Jesus Christ. Our remembrance of Pentecost in the New Testament is the fulfillment of our our Easter celebration. That took place at the... Jesus died, rose around the time of Pentecost, uh, the Passover feast, remember? So Pentecost is the fulfillment of our Easter. What Christ accomplished with his death and his resurrection from the dead is now given to us And appropriated for us by the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. That fullness of the Spirit. We're we're granted the fullness of Christ's gifts. Everything Christ has obtained by his cross that is now given to us by the Spirit. The Spirit of Pentecost. We're granted the fullness of those gifts. We're not going to receive any more from Christ on this side of the grave than the Spirit of Pentecost. The fullness of the Spirit is all that the Lord has to give us here yet on earth. That's it. But it's also very much. It's a lot. Because through the Spirit we can enjoy the comforting and encouraging communion with god in christ and then the spirit also equips us with strength through the gospel of christ to be able to fight the good fight of the faith here to stand for our king jesus christ in the middle of this world and congregation it's the only way we can stay standing in the middle of a world as christians in the middle of a world that is slowly but surely sinking away as we speak. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, the world without God is so totally empty and poor. I know it sometimes looks like the opposite. If we just live by what we can see and touch without God, it can look as if this world has a lot to offer. So much glitter, so much opportunity, so much pleasure, so much affluence without God. And sadly, how many church members, therefore, haven't been drawn to life without God because of what they can see there? But without life, without God, life is so poor, actually. Life is so poor without God, so dead end, so dark. And life with the Lord and His church is so full of comfort and future and light, God sent his spirit on his church to make us share in Christ and all his gifts, all the glorious benefits he obtained for us by his death and resurrection. And to help us stand in that and continue in that. So yes, Christmas, Christmas is, is a glorious celebration. We celebrate the birth of our Savior, His coming. Good Friday and Easter are even richer remember the victory of our savior over sin and over death but actually pentecost is the fulfillment of it all the greatest celebration of all because today we remember how the lord gave his spirit and how in the spirit the lord himself dwells in his church, lives in his people, and gives them all sorts of spiritual gifts. And that means that the church, small and weak as she appears to be in this world, is fully equipped with power from above for her task in this world. And and Christians, too. They may not look like much, but they are... Equipped with the Spirit, what a huge task we have from the Lord, really. A task which is way too much for human wisdom and human strength. For instance, the church has the calling to make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey what the Lord has commanded. Huge task. Think of of our responsibility to bring the, the children that the Lord gives To parents and to the congregation as a whole to raise up those children in the training and discipline of the Lord so that they love their Savior a huge task impossible for us on our own and then there's our duty to promote his kingdom in our society even in politics where our voice is often like the voice of one calling in the wilderness it seems Humanly speaking, we, we would have to say our task as Christians personally and as Church of Christ together that task is actually impossible. So few resources, so small, so much to overcome. But we don't have to do those things in our own strength. When the Lord poured out His Spirit at Pentecost, He showed Himself as the actual source of our strength and wisdom. In humility and thankfulness, we may and must say we can do what we're called to do because the Lord empowers us with His Spirit. And we can do this amidst tasks which the Lord gives us as Christian parents, As members of Christ's church, as citizens of Canada, we can do this because the Lord has given His mighty Spirit to empower us and assure us. And because of the Spirit, even the small things done in obedience can become extremely fruitful for God's kingdom. So we never have to think it's no use. We have to do what the Lord wants us to do. And he will bless that. We can work in the certainty that the Spirit will use all our attempts, our weak and and imperfect attempts to serve the Lord for good. He'll use them for good, for his kingdom. As long as we continue to do them. So, the question is not whether we can do our task, but whether we really want to do that task. Or would we rather go along with where this world is headed because it's easier and more pleasant at this time for us? Congregation, it takes effort on our part. But if we take on our Christian task and responsibility in life, in all the layers of our lives, if we take that on in obedience to God's word and will, if we listen to the Spirit speaking in the word, then the Spirit will use what we do too and encourage us through that too. And we'll be surprised at what our small and weak efforts can bring about at home, at work, in school, in society, with our neighbors. For the fullness of the Spirit has been poured out upon the church, the people of the Lord. That's what Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost stands for. The fullness of the Spirit has come upon the church. This is the result of Christ's work. The fullness has come upon the church to bring in the harvest of God's elect from all peoples, his elect in Christ. We come to the second point, how the spirit came. So we've seen when, when the spirit came. Now how the spirit came in. Our text says that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. When the day of Pentecost was fulfilled, they were all with one accord in that one place. One accord. Those people were there as one, one body. On that specific Sunday, the believers had come together from all over, to that one place in Jerusalem and they expected that fullness to come on that Sunday. And and then they had searched out one another and they were one in Christ. That's how they anticipated the promise of the Holy Spirit. Together. One accord. Oh, they were all different people. Just thinking about the disciples who were obviously there, or the apostles, how different Peter was from John. Peter so impulsive and John so quiet and straightforward. Think of how different Thomas was from James. James so reticent, Thomas so doubting each their own character, their own disposition, their own nature. But with one accord, bound to each other through their common faith in Jesus Christ, they could not and they did not want to miss each other there. With one accord, all of them, waiting together in anticipation of the coming of the Lord's outpouring, of the fullness of his spirit on that day of Pentecost. Now those, those souls who were together there were not together then in that place by chance either. They were not just, as we're not together here today just by chance, but as the church of Jesus Christ, as the body of Christ. So those, those people in that one place there on that day of Pentecost weren't together as a bunch of loose individuals who really did not have a lot to do with each other. Like shoppers who happened to be in the same supermarket at the same time on a certain day. No, they were were there with one accord in the unity of faith. That doesn't mean that all the differences between them had suddenly disappeared, but it means that those differences did not bother that unity at all. Well, upon such a unified body, on such a church, the Lord was able and willing to pour out the fullness of His Spirit. Of course, the Holy Spirit had been active already in them, drawing them together. He had prepared them to be His dwelling place, to receive His fullness. He had joined those different people together in faith, in love and affection for Christ and for one another. So he had prepared a temple for himself to live, in, to live in here, a building made of people who are living stones, who are one in Christ in spite of differences in character and temperament and ability. But see, congregation, it's on that kind of church that the fullness of the Spirit comes and can work. It's in that kind of a body that the Spirit can dwell and be active in His fullness, and give power. That's the kind of church the Spirit can use for the coming of Christ's kingdom. Among people like that, He can manifest His power and victory, the power and victory of Christ. That's something for us to think about humbly here on this day of Pentecost too. today. Because we sometimes experience way too little of that unity through faith in Christ, don't we? How easy it is for us too to be contemptuous of that brother or that sister because they're not like us. They're not just like us. How little harmony there can sometimes be among us because of pride, stubbornness, we're not going to bother with him or her because he did this and she said that and i don't like that and then we conveniently forget our own shortcomings and then we don't realize how much we actually need each other to stay close to christ and all too often the harsh sound of quarrel between brothers and sisters in the lord rises up from the lord from the church to the lord Sometimes, sadly, we can hardly stand each other. Brothers and sisters, if it's like that among us, and we each have to look at ourselves, there's no, if there's not that real feeling of togetherness in Christ, we're not with one accord here, as the text says, how can the Holy Spirit who was poured out at Pentecost on those people who are with one accord in that house? How can he work in us here and through us? How can he work through us in all his fullness? How can Christ then use us to do his work of grace and mercy here on earth? We can send missionaries out to the ends of the earth. We can donate to this and that good cause to promote Christ's kingdom. But what does it all mean if we, because of disunity and stubbornness in our hearts and contemptuousness, are not a good dwelling place and workplace of the Holy Spirit here? He comes and works where people are together with one accord, where there's unity in heart to love Christ and also one another. And if we can't, if we don't want to be one in Christ like that, then His Spirit will not use us either. Let's examine ourselves in that regard today, on this day of Pentecost this day of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, with one accord in one place, with one accord, may that be said of us, congregation, then the Holy Spirit can fill us and do his mighty and glorious work in us and through us too. And he'll make us a blessing for one another and a blessing for those around us and in our community and even farther. The last thing our text shows us so we've seen congregation when and and how also who who anticipated the coming of the Spirit at Pentecost. Our text congregation says that they were all together in one place all that little word all is there a couple of times who were they all undoubtedly we have to think of the 120 souls who are mentioned in acts 1 including the 12 apostles also the apostles chosen to apostle chosen to replace judas matthias and the mother of the lord and his brothers who had finally come to faith too jesus had appeared to his brothers and most likely men like Joseph of Arimathea maybe Nicodemus was there too in the pew and we don't have to exclude the possibility that there were some other followers of Jesus there too who had come to Jerusalem from other parts of the country for the feast of Pentecost there in Jerusalem who had joined those people in that house who who loved the Lord All kinds of people were there waiting for the outpouring of the fullness of the Spirit. Apostles and non-office bearers, we could say. Men and women. Old, young. Parents, children. All together. They were all there in the expectation of the coming of the Spirit. And the thing is we learn from that passage we read that He came, that the Spirit came upon all of them. Because you can read later that tongues as a fire settled on each one of them. And later on, Peter explained that this was the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy, that sons and daughters would prophesy, young men see visions, old men dream dreams. All of them. Received the Spirit. Well, that tells us, congregation, that the church as a whole and each individual member of the church was given the gift of the Spirit by the glorified Lord Jesus Christ. All were given the Spirit, all equipped for work in the church and kingdom of Christ, all given responsibility for the progress of the kingdom of Christ in this world, in other words, all given that task. Oh, we're we're sometimes, we're sometimes critical of each other, aren't we? We feel that this brother or that sister should do more and could do more and that office bearer should put forth a lot more effort. And he could do more. what about ourselves do we see it as our task and responsibility each one of us all of us do we really do our duty as member of Christ's church and kingdom sadly it's often the case that in the church of the Lord most of the work in the church is done by all too few members and all too quickly it's thought, or even said, I can't do that, or I don't want to do that. I don't want to be involved in that. I don't want to lead or be part of that Bible study group. I don't think I'm able to sit on that committee or board. Why don't you leave me alone? Just leave me off the list for that responsibility because it takes too much of my time. But at Pentecost all were together there and each one all of them received the spirit as testified by those tongues as a fire on each one they all received the spirit they all had responsibility avoiding responsibility or shoving it off on somebody else that's easy yes but that goes against the intent of the holy spirit who was poured out on the whole church, on all, at Pentecost. Sure, everybody has different talents and abilities, but there's also so often a tendency to evade, evade and avoid taking on a task in the church. Not seeing responsibility, but trying to evade it. And that, brothers and sisters, is a denial of the Spirit's appointment of each of us, all anointed by the Spirit. And it's a denial of His ability to equip everybody for service in Christ's church and kingdom. Our text says all were there, all. All received a share of the Spirit. We speak, therefore, of the office of all believers. John Calvin brought that back into the picture. It's not clergy and laity here. All believers have the office of prophet, priest, and king. That threefold office. And that office doesn't imply some special kind of position or task. No, it's an office with certain responsibility that everybody has all the time wherever they are. And that's because the Holy Spirit is everywhere all the time and he pushes us to speak and act for the Lord and for the the good of his kingdom and his church wherever and whenever. Old and young, men and women, parents and children, healthy and sick, strong and weak, rich and poor, learned and not so educated... All, all, nobody excluded. The Spirit gives us all the calling and the task to live for our Lord everywhere and always, to let His light shine in our lives. We all have a place and task here in Christ's church. All those people in that house in Jerusalem, on whom the Spirit was poured out, realized that. And that's how the church spread out and became so fruitful at that time. And you can read that all throughout the book of Acts. It spread. They all knew they had a task. And they all knew they had the promise of the Spirit that He would bless them in that task so they could just go go boldly and live for their Lord wherever. Speak up for their Lord. And that's what we can believe today, too, congregation, on this Pentecost more than 2,000 years later. The Spirit gives us all work to do in the kingdom and church of Christ. And He promises to help us in that and to make us fruitful in that. Fruitful for Christ, and his kingdom. Let's live in that faith. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for Pentecost, the fulfillment of everything that went before. It came to a head when your Holy Spirit was poured out. And Father, that means that your church has a responsibility in this world now to to continue to show your light to be a, a unified people of yours through whom the holy spirit in whom the holy spirit lives and through whom he can work Father we pray that we may be that kind of a church too in which your spirit dwells in which we are all together one in faith and in which we all see our task and calling each one of us not avoiding responsibility but taking it on and doing what we can to let the light of Jesus Christ and what he has done as our Savior and as the Savior of the world let that light shine here in our lives and wherever we go and whenever. Father, we pray that you will help us and guide us in that. Hear us for Jesus' sake. Amen.